Welcome to Rock Content's Jam Session podcast series. In each episode, we sit down and talk with industry experts who share proven marketing strategies, best practices for content, tactical advice, and tales of SaaS and entrepreneurship, and so much more. Enjoy today's episode. Today, we have the amazing Brianna Dunbar-DeMike as our guest speaker. She runs an amazing podcast named Badass Basic Bitch, which allowed her to reach a massive audience of over 750,000 people while building brand authority when it comes to content creation and branding. Not only that, she's also in the world of entrepreneurship, having already created, sold, and collaborated with a number of startups. She's rocking her career while being a mom of three kids, and she has a bun in the oven. Yana, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I am so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. No problem. So I always just like to open the floor for our guests. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your professional background. Sure. So as you said, I'm a mom of three, one on the way. To me, that's like probably my most important part about me. Um, At one point, I was a single mom of three and I remarried last year. Hence, the going for number four. So yeah, I come from very humble upbringings. I grew up in a suburb in New York, one of five. My mom was a single mom of five and it was a struggle for her to provide for all of us. And I also like, I always struggled in school setting. Later on found out I had dyslexia and ADHD. And it wasn't until I was able to like establish myself the way I wanted to work and what worked best for me that I started seeing success in my career. And that's when I started Zen Content. That was my first company. Grew that to be a multi-million dollar business. Sold it within three years. But overall spent the past 15 years or so building brands for some really awesome companies like Walmart nationwide, all of Pottery Barn subsidiaries. And then excited to talk about this topic, which I know you're going to go into, but in 2019 decided it was time to build my own brand. Wow. Talk about really overcoming adversity and just making sure that you take control of your life and build something that you can be proud of. Thank you so much, Brianna, for sharing that with me today. And for today's topic, we're just going to explore the opportunities that content marketing bring. While there are a variety of topics to cover, we'll mainly be focusing on brand building and the alignment between content creation, brand messaging, and the benefits of using all of these things together. So Brianna, as you are just an experienced professional and a content creator, what do you consider the main benefits of connecting brand and content and how do they relate and connect to each other? Yeah, it's really interesting because like I said before, I have built out a ton of Fortune 500 brands. And at the end of the day, no one knew who I was. I wasn't anybody, but I was building all of these big brands, whether it was their branding strategy or the actual content creation that would live on their on their sites. Um, and in late 2019, I decided it was my time. And what I realized to answer your question is you can't have a brand without content. At the end of the day, like it doesn't matter if you're swiping left or right and then you have a date. What is the first thing you do? You Google somebody, 
right? As soon as you match up with somebody, you Google them. If you interview for a job, what's the first thing you do before you get on the interview to interview someone? You Google them, you look them up, you try to find their social media platforms, their websites, anything about them. And that's when I realized and came to the the realization for myself that when people search me, I want them to know who I am and I want to control that narrative. And I can only do that by creating strong content and building my own brand about myself. Wow, that's so impactful, especially for upcoming companies or just even companies that have already been established and are looking to really take control of their brand story and their brand narrative to much like you said, have those people, their target audience, discover them. So thank you so much. And, you know, we've seen an evolution of digital content, right? Throughout the years, it's gone from long text to static images, then videos and audios. And now, you know, we're in the Instagram, (laughs) TikTok reels and YouTube. So how do you see brands evolving as content evolves? This is interesting because obviously there is a significant trend where it's saying long form content is slowly dying and it's going to be more of a short form content. And I actually don't fully believe that. I do believe that we're seeing a significant trend of the demand for short form content, but I don't think long form content is just going to die out and everything's going to be 15 to 30 second videos. There's a reason why TikTok started at 15 second videos and now I think you can do three minutes, right? It's like, trying to find the balance. I think short form video content messages, you know, they're fun, they're interactive, they can be more relatable, they're engaging, but they also are hard to send a message. You know, it's really hard. There's a a difference between like, here's my elevator pitch, here's my 30 second elevator pitch, and then that gets you interested. And then here's my book about me. And I think the quick videos is that entrance of here's who I am, here's a taste, here's a snippet, but then come through the door and realize that there's more about me than just these quick hits. So Mm. I think that short form videos, especially for brands or short form content, especially for brands are going to be how do I get you the information or the messaging to you as fast and quickly as possible so I get you interested and then I keep you with the longer form, um, high authority, more vulnerable type of content and messaging? That makes so much sense. And that kind of speaks to just how content is created, right? In the beginning, when you're writing something as like a blog post, you have to hook that reader. And so that's kind of what those short videos can do. But you know, you really want to hook them enough to get the rest of that content. So that's so important. And thank you so much for sharing that perspective. You know, I always ask, what are some of the challenges that you see marketers maybe facing when implementing a branding strategy anytime they have to use like a content marketing as their main pillar of it within their marketing strategy? Yeah, I think trying to figure out who they are, especially for newer companies or newer people who want to build their brand, it can get really chaotic and it can get cluttered with like for me, oh, I'm a mom, I'm a business owner, I'm a wife, um, I love 
to bake. I love to DIY. It's like, okay, lady, like that's way too much. Um, so I think narrowing down, not losing your brand and messaging and purpose, um, but still being consistent. I think that's probably the other thing is like, it is hard to be consistent. You have to have discipline and that's a hard thing to do. So I think those are probably the big things. And then lastly, probably finding the resources to create the content. Like you are not scalable. You cannot just produce more and more content yourself. Your team of three cannot produce all of the content that you want to create. And so um, being strategic and outsourcing. And then the last one is finding the ability to have that evergreen content and repurpose content and adapting it in different ways. So you're not reinventing the wheel every single time you produce something. Wow, that's super valuable information, especially, you know, what you were saying about continuing to be consistent, but also realizing, hey, when you need help, to make sure that you have that help available and finding those resources and then creating that evergreen content that will last and that will keep your audience coming back for more. And you definitely have obviously made use of those tips because, well, again, you are such an amazing person that has built a large following. Since you are well known for your podcast, and this is a channel that has been growing for you and continues to grow for you, when it comes to the audience, how could podcasts really stand out from other forms of content? There's two things there. It's how does your podcast stand out from the thousands and tens of thousands of podcasts that already exist? And then how do you stand out from other pieces of content that you could do? I think in terms of having your podcast stand out from others is finding that white space. For me, it was all about women's voices. It is hard to find podcasts or even channels where we can hear seemingly ordinary women talk about their great successes. And I personally felt like you had to be the Sheryl Sandbergs of the world in order for your story to be heard. And that's not what I wanted. You know, there's so many amazing women doing these things. And it's extremely relatable because it's literally your neighbor or your friend or your sister or whoever, where it's extremely relatable and you look at them and you hear those stories and say, you know, she can do it, I can do it too, versus hearing the Christina Tozzi story where you're like, okay, well, obviously... She started Milk Bar. She's a genius. Um, And so I think it's finding that white space and how to be different. In terms of how to stand out from other content formats, I don't necessarily think it really needs to stand out per se. I would always recommend to always do video. And then what you do is you take those long form content and you put them into snippets. And so I snip them all and I share them on Instagram, on my personal Instagram and my professional one. That's the badass basic bitch Instagram. Uh, And then TikTok. We have our own TikTok too. And it's all about repurposing that content and leveraging it on different platforms in different ways. And you're still growing your audience on all of those different platforms. And it's just coming from one long form of of content being cut up. That makes so much sense. Really trying to diversify you know, the channels that you use can help you grow your audience. And I think that's really great advice for all type of brands. And so 
you know, how has your podcast been able to build upon your own personal brand? Yeah, it's really interesting. I started the podcast more for a healing journey for myself. Um, I have been through a lot of trauma and I use the podcast as like a way for me to tell my own story, but also Mm -hmm. heal through other people's stories. And I mean, the types of topics we have on it really range. And so it allowed me to understand myself and my purpose and what I stand for. And that in turn allowed me to figure out what my brand is. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that came out of it is because when you think about who you are, it can be really difficult because a lot of people are like, I'm so many things or I could be so many things, or what would make me have an audience if I could be these things? And at the end of the day, you're not going to grow if you're pretending to be something you're not, or you're trying to be something you're not. And so for me personally, it allowed me to figure out what exactly is my brand. And that opened up this authentic, vulnerable self, which grew my audience and allowed me to have more speaking events that were paid. It grew my Instagram growth significantly. I think when I started on my own personal Instagram, I had maybe 20,000 and I'm at at over 80,000 in a year. My own professional Instagram, we started with like a hundred people and now we're over 30,000. I actually have gotten a lot of job opportunities. It's one I took, a lot I turned down, but it allowed me those choices. People were coming to me and asking me if I will interview versus me asking to interview. It's grown my LinkedIn and honestly, my community. Like in my real life, not just the virtual social media, but it's allowed me to enhance relationships in my own community on a day-to-day basis. So it's opened several doors from me, all well-rounded. That really sounds like you took time to humanize your brand. And much like you said, making sure that you were authentic and really truly telling the story is what naturally drew people toward your story, your content, and allowed you to grow your audience. So I think that's so critical. And, you know, whether or not you plan on being a digital influencer is a plan. We like to ask, you know, why should marketers care? about their personal branding? So for me, and I think this is a great question because most people think, oh, like you're on Instagram, you have a podcast, you're on TikTok, you want to be a digital influencer. And, or like, I don't want to be an influencer. So I don't want to do any of those things. And what I always say to them is like, I don't want to be a digital influencer. That is not why I do this. I don't sell anything on Instagram. I don't um, have ads typically. I don't have ads. I have some sponsors for my podcast, but I'm generally not like pushing ads for people right. to buy things. But here are the benefits for me. I am building another company, and the benefits of having a brand are when I go to raise money, right? Those investors are going to know me for more than the five minutes that I'm pitching to them because they're going to know that I have all these other things. And I'm sorry, with a name like Badass Basic Bitch, they're going to listen to something. <laughs> they're going to at least scroll and, and maybe something will hit them. And maybe they'll be more likely to invest in me. When I go to hire people to join my company, they're going to search me. They're going to see that I'm about empowerment, that I'm about career advice, that I'm about bettering yourself and about mindfulness and mindset. 
And I believe that they'll be more likely to want to join my team and be about what I'm about. When I go to sell my services to somebody, I have a digital footprint of who I am and the stances that I believe in about it is about serving my customers and I want what's best for my customers. And here's all these things that I've done to prove that they're most likely going to buy my services. And then at the end of the day, it's like when I go to sell the company, there's all of these benefits throughout. And if you're like, okay, lady, I don't want to build a company. I don't want any of those things. Okay, well, one day you're probably going to want to change your job or get a job. And just that alone, getting those interviews, getting past the other hundred plus applicants that you're fighting against, just with connecting with LinkedIn. I connected with someone recently, they had over 500,000 followers. And I sent them a connection because I was like, I love this person. I want, I want to be their friend. I want to connect. With them. <laughs> so I sent them a connection. And they wrote me and said, Hey, my connections are are full, but just your title alone that you're a host of a podcast called Badass Basic Bitch, I've literally removed someone so I can add you to be my connection. <laughs> and I was like, they don't even know me, but now we're connected. And guess what? It started a conversation where that right. conversation has become multiple conversations. And now we're thinking of collaborating together on something. Like it, it has opened those doors for me. And I think with over 4 million Google searches per minute, it is quite possible that someone will eventually Google your company brand or your own personal brand. And you want to control the narrative of what they find. And I think that's the biggest benefit that this offers. That's so true. You really spoke on just making sure that you are in, aligned with your goals. And once you are aligned with your goals, networking and creating those opportunities for yourself through the content that you create. So thank you so much for sharing. I just always think that it's so amazing, especially when you are presenting. And I know that you have a lot of different spaces that you're in. You have a considerable amount of followers on Instagram, like you said, as well as your podcast. And you share plenty of interesting ideas and thoughts on LinkedIn. And also you're on your blog. Could you tell me more about the importance of connecting with your audience on all of these channels? How does utilizing them together help you present a clearer brand message? Yeah, I think it ensures that your target recognizes you. I want people to go to my LinkedIn, my Instagram, my Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, and recognize that it's the same brand. It's me. And so I think it's super important to have that consistency. I'm not saying that it has to be copy and paste material, but you want the feel in your messaging. And this is advice that I give to people who, who maybe want to be a digital influencer or they're selling stuff. Like if you're on Instagram, and I'll just use this example because I was actually just talking to someone about this, is if you're on Instagram and you're showing your mom life and you're just being this mom and, and you're an influencer and you're just saying like, I'm all about the mom life and I'm, I'm cookie cutter. We're going to do DIYs for kids crafts all day long. And that is your Instagram. But then you go to that same handle and you go to your TikTok and it is about uh, partying and drinking and going. And like, this is a real conversation I just had with someone is that it creates a distrust mm. in your followers because they're super confused about who you are. 
And you want that repetition, you want that familiarity, and you want that trust. At the end of the day, having those similar messaging and clear brand messaging just reinforces those key benefits and points of interest. And it instills a sense of your, I'm going to, like, I can depend that you are going to give me the similar feel and messaging across all of your platforms. And I think that's probably the most important thing and advice that I could give. That's so impactful. So, you know, just making sure to be clear, concise on all of the channels will really establish trust and make sure that your brand messaging is coming off very clear to your audience. And so you definitely have done an amazing job at that. And, you know, in your podcast and your social media, and you mentioned this during our conversation, you usually talk talk about women empowerment. And I just think that really is a part of your being and sticks with your personal branding. Where do you get the inspiration for it? I mean, my mom. (laughs) How could I not? (laughs) This is kind of personal and interesting, but my mom was extremely smart. She was the first woman to graduate from her engineering college. And she was an engineer and she worked on NASA shuttle wings. And she worked for Grumman, like very smart, driven woman. She got married and she started having children. And she decided to give up her career to be a stay-at-home mom. That was her choice. And she made that choice. And she had five kids. We're all a year and a half, two years apart. And they ended up getting divorced. My dad struggled with substance abuse and she ended up being a single mom of five with no career because guess what? When you give up your engineering career for several years, you can't just go back and be an engineer. And so watching her at a very young age of seven um, go back to school, go back to work, and do all the things and still have that career was extremely impactful for me, especially when growing up, it wasn't very common to find a single mom. Most people still stayed married and divorce wasn't a very common thing. And I think in my in my school at the time, she was probably the only one. And I think watching her struggle alone really impacted me to say, we can't continue this in our society where we drag women down or judge them because we don't know the full story. And instead, we have to change our mindset and empower women, empower ourselves versus trying to compete and tear down. It's all about building up. And so I think that's probably what spawned the most for me and why I wanted to do this alongside my own personal story. Um, Although some similarities, very different story than my mother, those combined just said like, I, this is something that I'm so passionate about that I have to do. And and now I have a son and two girls and a girl on the way. And now I just feel more strongly that I have to continue this mission to, to teach them. And so when they grow up, they have a similar mindset as well. That's so impactful and beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that. And personally, just being a mom, sometimes we do have to make that decision of whether we want to, you know, be full-time mommies, which is a full-time job 24-7 or having that career. So I definitely believe that the things that you are doing is impactful to so many different women. And just about changing your mindset is valuable to anyone. And so with that being said, if you could give a tip to anyone who 
was watching this and they were looking to start creating or they wanted to scale their content production, what would it be? Okay, so there's several tips. I would say someone who is looking to start content production, right? They, one, don't start content production at all until you understand your brand story, until you have that sense of who you are or what your company stands for. And like, don't literally don't do anything until you have that story and you have brand guidelines. And I don't care if they're formal or informal. Um, write them down, type them up. It doesn't matter. You need some kind of structure to make sure that everything that you're producing is supporting that story and that guideline. And so what that means is that you have a mission, you have a vision, you have your core values, you have what your personality is. Are you quirky? Are you serious? Are you technical? Are you funny? What's your personality? And then how do you convey that through your voice? And then who are your target personas? Who do you want listening to you or buying from you or visiting you or engaging with you? And then of course, you can add the logo and the color palette and the image and all of that other stuff, but that's not needed. But at the very least, you need that brand guidelines because if you're going to be producing content, especially at scale, it needs to tie into one of your foundational pillars that make you up or you make your company up. That really is impactful, you know, the tips that you're providing, because again, you've stressed this over and over to really humanize your brand and to really make it relatable to who you are. And that again, creates that consistency, that clear brand message. And so while you've given us a lot of tips on what somebody should do that is looking to create or start, you know, what about content suggestions? What are the books, podcasts, and anything else that can inspire a career? Or what do you feel are personal suggestions regarding this? Yeah, I think like I cannot iterate enough, and I say this in my podcast a lot, is being you shouldn't be hard. And that that means being your company brand too shouldn't be hard. And if you are struggling at being you or having your company represent themselves as who you feel they should be, it should flow easily. And you have to understand who you are first as a person, as a company, depending on what type of brand you're building. And I go back to that whole concept of understanding your brand strategy and those pillars. And that was a journey that I took when I started my own brand. I sat down and I said, who am I? Because at that time, I did not know who I was. And that was only three years ago. (laughs) And I asked myself, like, am I a mom? Am I a businesswoman? Am I a child of an addict? Am I a single mom? Am I a survivor of abuse? Like, who am I? What, how do I want to represent myself to somebody? And I think you have to understand those first before you go and like try to get inspired by any kind of book to, or podcast to help you. Now, with that being said, I'm still going to give my personal suggestions on what books and podcasts you can read <laughs> and listen to. Because if you're like, okay, I, I know who I am. I know what I want to be. I am looking for some inspiration. I think in terms of who you are and confirming that, there is... I am like super passionate about the Enneagram. If you have not taken the Enneagram, go take it. Figure out what number you are learn it because I am so anti-personality tests. Um, I always felt like 
Myers-Briggs and the color wheel and the whatever uh, strength finders. Like I'm like, they're all BS and they're all like little parts of me. But when I crossed roads with the Enneagram, I cried when I read, I went to a seminar because I read it and I was like, oh, this feels really, this feels like I'm connected to this. And I went to like a seminar thing and I cried at the seminar when the guy was talking about my number and the core values and what we do when we're in a healthy mindset or in a stress mindset, because it was so relatable. And I was like, get me out of here. This is super uncomfortable. (laughs) So Enneagram, there's a book called The Road Back to You. um, And it's all about the Enneagram. And that would be my first place to go. I think the other two books of understanding yourself and your brand and figuring out what you stand for and, and maybe more about you and your history as a person or a company is um, What Happened to You. And that is by Dr. Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. And it is an awesome book. And then Boundaries, because boundaries, you can set them for work. You can set them for personal life. You're really going to understand your core values. And, And it's super interesting because you don't have to just set yourself for your like your boundaries for yourself, you can set company boundaries. Like if you're selling a product that has compliance and regulatory, like what is your boundary between mm-hmm. pushing out a product that might not be fully compliant? And so I think it's super important to understand in terms of identifying what your core values are and what you're willing to bend and not bend. Other books, The Confidence Code is a good one. Presence is a good one by Amy Cuddy. I think those are probably good uh, good starting points. Thank you so much for sharing that feedback. I wanted to just take a moment and we have a few questions that wanted, I think are oh. relatable during this time. Um, and we'll also save some time at the end of the conversation. You know, what do you suggest to marketers that are struggling with building brands for their company, especially just given all of the things that you said, finding that inspiration, understanding who they are, because even if you're just a person, you know, one person trying to build a brand, if you have a company and you're trying to build a brand, you might struggle with that even, you know, more trying to understand like, who am I? Who is my target audience? What do I want to do? So, you know, what do you suggest to marketers that are struggling with building brands for their companies? Yeah, if you're running out of content ideas, the best thing that you could do is to do a customer feedback session Hmm. and talk to your customers. Something that I recently did was I hosted um, a happy hour with some of my badass basic bitch listeners. And I wanted to know, like, what do you guys love hearing about? What do you want to hear more about? And I took that feedback to get to know my listeners and hear them to say like, we want more of these topics, like stop talking about X, Y, and Z. And we want to hear this. And I think that's probably one place. Now, if you're like, I don't have a lot of customers yet and they're not, uh, no one, or no one wants to give me feedback. The other thing you can do is like looking at what your competitors are doing and what's working for them. Not saying necessarily like steal their exact ideas, but it is market research. Go out, look at your competitors, see what's working for them. And maybe you'll find that like, oh, like short form content videos that are lighthearted go a lot 
further than what I'm doing. So let me try some of these. So I think that's probably like the two tangible things that people can do right away. Hmm. And you know, something else that you mentioned, which happens to be another question, and it just flows and segments so perfectly. You mentioned if you're running out of content ideas. Well, one of the questions was, was there a moment that you ever ran out of a content idea? What'd you do? How'd you bring the ideas back? (laughs) Oh, man. No, I I mean, for me, I have not run out of content ideas. I started my podcast in early 2020. So I've just overlapped a year. So me personally, no. And, And plus, like the topic that I have is pretty broad. And I think that's the other important thing is like, don't limit yourself, at least in a personal brand, don't limit yourself to only like DIY kitchen blog. Because it's like, then you can't leave the kitchen. Like you only could do those things. Um, And so for me, I'm like, it's about women empowerment. And that can mean anything. So I think trying to keep it broad. Now, if you're a marketer and you're struggling to build brands for companies who actually have a narrow focused topic, like that can be a struggle. Because maybe you're like, well, my company only sells kitchen tiles. And so... I can only build content for kitchen tiles. Guess what? That's wrong. There's something called affinity marketing. And so what's really fascinating is I was working with a furniture rental company and I was building their brand and they were only writing about pieces about renting furniture. And I'm like, okay, why? Who rents your furniture? Military families, right? They care about furniture rental. They're constantly moving and they're constantly needing to rent stuff. What do military wives, because most likely it's being rented by military wives because majority of military folks are men who are married and they're being deployed. And so the wife is is at home typically and she is the one that is managing the move and managing the rentals. What do they care about? And so we started writing about those topics that had nothing to do with furniture rental. And so my biggest recommendation for marketers struggling with content ideas is thinking about the affinity marketing. Who are their customers and what other things do their customers care about? And it doesn't have to absolutely relate to what your product or service is. So Mm. that's like... um, because what's, what's going to happen is those individuals are going to search and they're going to find your content. They're going to like your content and they're going to remember your name. So when it's time to rent furniture, they're going to have that brand awareness of your name. And you I are have- definitely giving the super secret sauce to the best marketing recipe because that is so gold. You have to find other avenues to attract, but still make it relatable to you. Stay top of mind so that when they're ready to buy or looking for you or your product and service, you're the person that they'll go to. So that's so impactful. And, you know, as we've talked about a variety of things, you know, content, the future of content, it's just forever changing. And so what future content marketing trends do you see being the most valuable for companies and entrepreneurs alike? 100% being authentic, like period. We want real, like we don't want fake. We don't want a buttoned up version of what you want to sell. 
They want vulnerability. And there's a, actually, I just finished another great book, Culture Code. And it was talking about in 1982, Johnson and Johnson had a huge, a huge Tylenol outbreak where someone was tampering with their Tylenol. They were putting cyanide in the tablets of Tylenol. People were taking it and they were dying from this. And it was mainly happening in Chicago. And Johnson and Johnson got pulled in by the FDA and they said, okay, let's, let's market and you know, let's not freak all of America out and only pull back what is in uh, Chicago, for example. And Johnson and Johnson could have said, "Okay, yeah, this is a this is an only Chicago thing, and we're just going to pull that back." But everyone else is okay. But they did it instead. The main CEO, I think it was, came and said, "We are going to pull back a hundred million dollars worth of Tylenol products because we have no proof that this is only in Chicago. We are we have made a huge mistake." We um, allowed our bottles to be tampered with and they were so vulnerable about the mistakes that they had and they owned it. And guess what happened? One, their stock crashed to zero dollars first. And then two, what happened was as they were messaging this, as they were being authentic and vulnerable and taking responsibility and owning it and showing that these people that they care more about their safety than making money or having a product, all of a sudden their stock started going back up. And it went all the way back up past to where it was when the incident happened. And now Johnson & Johnson is like a huge company. A Tylenol is a huge product. And it was all because they shared that vulnerability and they were authentic versus having some kind of appearance that they had it all together. And that is what people want today. And I think that definitely speaks to a lot of the influencers and, you know, just anyone who's really trying to connect with their target audience to, again, be really authentic. And I know earlier we talked about not planning on being an influencer, but how do you feel about reaching so many people? You shared this great story and example of how Johnson & Johnson was vulnerable and how they were able to reach different people outside of Chicago where this incident was happening. How do you feel about reaching so many people? Because you are vulnerable, you are real, you are authentic. How does that make you feel? Well, one, I woke up this morning and I went to my Buzzsprout statistics and got my 1 million download this morning from Badass Basic Bitch. You go, girl. And... (laughs) And I wrote a sentimental post on LinkedIn about just this question. I started this journey as my own healing. And what I realized was it became a community of healing. I have received thousands and thousands of messages about how my voice and the other person's voice on the other end of whatever interview I'm doing has touched so many people and impacted so many people. And it is just beyond words. Like I can't describe how it makes me feel because I've always wanted like a mentor growing up or someone to tell me how to handle situations or tell me how it was going to be okay. And I felt like that always fell short. I never really got that experience. And so by providing it to other women, it's like an extremely fulfilling thing for me. And um, someone asked me like, oh, you hit a million. How are you going to celebrate? And my response was quietly. I'm going to celebrate quietly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to celebrate internally. I'm going to celebrate by looking at where I was a year ago or a year and a half ago or two years ago to where I am now and appreciate every single person who got me here. So it feels pretty, pretty awesome knowing that I can reach so many people in a positive way. And that 
I know speaks to just obviously who you are as a person. And so thank you so much for sharing with that. And I'm excited, you know, because that is huge. I even, I understand you want to celebrate privately, but I love to celebrate you out loud. That is amazing. So, you know, just because you have reached such massive levels of success, you know, we always like to ask what are some of the key factors that you found with your content marketing and your branding? The key factors that brought me to the success? Yes. I mean... I could say, oh, I'm authentic and I'm vulnerable. But at the end of the day, if no one is hearing that, it doesn't matter. And so I think to be transparent, the success that I had was being strategic with the guests that I brought on, creating really good content for those guests to share that they would want to share. Because if I brought on a guest that had 200,000 followers, a percentage of them would want to hear that. Then they would hear that episode and maybe they would subscribe and stay with me. And so I think that there's some strategy behind utilizing how to get your message and your content shared throughout other influential people, whether they're on TikTok or LinkedIn or whoever. Also having topics that can be kind of edgy that people would want to hear. One example was we had a whole entire episode about modern sexuality. And that was probably Mm -hmm. one of the highest performing podcast episodes because people were like, I need to really hear this. This is This could go either way. And so I think creating engaging, fascinating topics that people aren't talking about or aren't seeing, that's probably another one. And then the last one is really, I don't do it all by myself. And I never say I do. I have a team that helps me, that helps me stay on track, that helps me. Now, I interview all of my guests, all of my pre-guests. I come up with all of my own outlines and everything because that's super important to me. But when it comes to creating social cards and snippets and getting it on Instagram and TikTok and LinkedIn, you know, I have help for that because I can't do that and do all of the other things that are important. So I think coming up with a strategy to find resources to outsource are really important as well. That makes sense. And along with that topic, do you have any suggestions on how a brand can maintain a consistent amount of content production? Because as you said, you have a small team, they're able to help you, they're able to obviously help you scale. So like what in your opinion would be the best practices to produce a consistent amount of content? Yeah. Every quarter in the beginning of the quarter, sit down with your team and outline the content that you want to create that quarter. And it doesn't have to be the entire year, but I definitely recommend on a quarterly basis. And if you want it to coincide with real world events, whether it's like breast cancer awareness or eating disorder awareness or what have you, it's figuring out what are the things that are happening on those on those quarterly basis and what content you want to produce if you're shipping out a new service or a new product or there's a hot topic that's going to be happening like summer. Okay, well, maybe you want to talk about bathing suits or summer places to travel or traveling COVID tips. Plan it. And then utilizing tools to help oversee the content creation. And you can use Asana, you can use Trello, you can use Contently. There's so many great tools out there that help you stay on track and stay organized. And then in terms of you're looking to outsource, like you're like, I don't have money to have a full-time writer. You don't have to outsource everything. But using a platform like Upwork, for example, to go and maybe find your own writer and you know, maybe they're writing a blog post for you for $50 a blog post and you just use them to keep up with the content production if your team can't handle it 
or someone misses a deadline, it's uh, a great alternative to make sure that you're staying consistent and you just have to have those backup plans as well. That's, you know, really smart. And I think you've helped our audience be able to understand how they can take actionable items and really make their reality more fruitful instead of, you know, looking at all of the things that they don't have, like much like you, your brand, changing your mindset and opening yourself up to the possibility. So thank you so much for sharing. And, you know, just one final question. You've given us so many different tips, tricks on just content, marketing, branding strategies. What's one last actionable piece of advice that you can share um, with your audience to, you know, make your content or to make their content marketing more successful right now, today? So let's just say someone sees this and they're like, wow, I am super inspired. I am ready to go all in. What would you give that what advice would you give that person? I think if you stay true to who you are and what your values are, then it will be really easy to keep your audience, grow your audience and engage with your audience. It's when we start to veer off and we start to think, what do they want? What do people want? What will go viral is when we start to lose our authentic selves. I think the only other thing I would want to add is um, it's cool to go viral. Right. I had a I had a piece of content that went viral and it was like making a concrete table and like that went viral, but that has absolutely nothing to do with me or my brand. It's just me and my husband made a concrete <laughs> table and it was kind of cool and I posted it and that went viral. But what ended up happening was I got a lot of followers that wanted to see more of that, but that's not who I was. Right. And I think it's I would rather have five thousand dedicated followers who are passionate about what I'm doing than 500,000 and only 1% care. So I think that's the other thing is like, don't always try to catch that viral moment that you're trying to do. Um, Slow and steady always wins the race. Wow. Thank you so much. That was super helpful. And thank you so much just for allowing me to pick your brain today, uh, allowing me to interview you and for you to share your ideas and your background and your story. It's truly amazing. Just all of the things that you've gone through, all of the things that you're, you are today and still becoming. I thank you so much. And with that, you guys, we are going to conclude this jam session. Uh, and so thank you all for joining us today. Again, we host these jam sessions every so often, and we want to make sure that we're always providing great content. So if there's any topic in relations to marketing or any relations to content, we're always looking for advice and tips and things that you want to see. Again, thank you so much, Brianna. And that'll conclude our jam session for today. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to Rock Content's Jam Session podcast series. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to receive our latest episodes. We'll see you next week.